What's up, skeptics? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt, your source for all things skeptical. I am Jordan, joined with Jared, and today we are celebrating a, uh, yeah, and also joined with Jared's mustache. <laughs> <laughs> it just popped up last night on nowhere. So, uh, so today we're going to be celebrating our big milestone. We made it to a thousand subscribers, which is approximately what 500 times more than i expected ever or yeah yeah it's funny when jordan and i first started doing this we're like you know what would consider what would you consider this to make it worth our while we're like i don't know if we get like 25 50 listeners a month that would be cool right so yeah yeah exactly that'd be enough and then we dared to question the shroud of turn and the rest is history so uh but today we thought it'd be cool framing uh, since we're a skepticism channel and our goal here is to promote skeptical thinking and uh, doubting and examining claims, part of being a skeptic, a part that often goes uh, ignored, is when you find out you're wrong, when you do some investigation and what you thought would be correct isn't correct, or just as importantly, when you kind of loop back on what you previously thought and you find some new evidence, you change your mind based on that new evidence. This is the, for some people, perhaps the not so fun uh, type of skepticism, but it's just as important. So, well, what would skepticism be if you never found out you were wrong? So, yeah, I, I suspect if you don't ever find out you're wrong, if you like you, you always think the same thing forever, you probably aren't doing a good job with skepticism probably yes. and like kip said uh being wrong is fun and i think i agree because when you find out you're wrong you can just change your mind and then you don't need to <laughs> be wrong anymore too easy yeah so uh let's jump right in with the first one the one that's on the title probably one of the the more recent ones for us uh we found out recently that the dunning kruger effect is fake and wrong and bad not well, I mean, it's fake anyway. It's not, it's not, not, <laughs> it's yeah. not, a, not a real thing. It's not uh, what you think it is. <laughs> it is not what you think it is. That is true. Uh, Jared channeling Freddie Mercury. Uh, that's that's probably right. Yeah, I, I could see some Freddie Mercury vibes, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, we can get it out of the way. Just my facial hair grows like a chia plant really fast. And it it's just insane. Yeah. So. Like you shave in the morning and like by lunchtime, you've got the five o'clock shadow. But this yeah. I did shave this morning. So just, so you know, real talk. yeah. But, anyway. uh, anyways, so uh, Dunning-Kruger effect, the history of this thing, it started with a um, study done by Dunning and Kruger. And what they did was they uh, looked at, well, let's start with like what people think it is. Yeah, Basically, yeah. The idea, the popular conception of the Dunning-Kruger effect is that if you know just a little bit about a topic, like your confidence skyrockets when you from like very low confidence when you know nothing to extremely high confidence when you know just a little bit. Um, and then as you learn more, it plummets because you, you know, realize that you were perhaps not as well informed as you thought. And then it slowly goes up. Uh, there's a graph here. Let me. Uh, show in case anybody somehow has not seen this graph. Um, this is the Mount Stupid graph. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so you can see here on the left, you've got uh, your confidence in the y-axis, your competence or how much you know on the x-axis. And if you're in that beginning part where you're just starting to learn, you're on the peak of what they call Mount Stupid. You're dumb or uninformed, ignorant, and not aware. 
basically you think you know far more than you do. And you hit the Valley of Despair, and eventually as you go on, it evens out, right? Uh, so that is the story of the Dunning-Kruger that we've all heard. And that's a story that until very recently, I also believed. Uh, <laughs> it, it makes sense too, right? Intuitively, when you hear that, you're like, oh yeah, that's totally right. And then you just keep on moving because it's just something that you think is accurate and you don't probe it any further. So. Yeah, and uh, as Claude Simeon said, like it does feel very intuitive because we've all had this kind of experience of when you first learn something you don't realize how complex it is and then as you go on you learn more about the complexities you know um and as kip points out like it, it feels right the story feels right because yeah. <laughs> we've all met that person who is just has every creationist ever uh from like aig for instance or if you go to like sft streams you'll see them everywhere like yeah. they have like the, the the paper thin knowledge but boy are they convinced you know they know everything there is to know right uh unfortunately this is not the real thing so the actual history of dunning kruger is uh dunning and kruger yeah uh, and as Dr. Dan mentions, that person is almost always an engineer. I can confirm as an engineer, <laughs> engineers are the absolute worst. Um, yeah, fact. So uh, so <clears throat> in the 90s, Dunning and Kruger did a test. They ran a test to, on competence. And basically what they did was they gave uh, 45 undergraduate students a 20 question, 20 question logic test. Uh, and they had to answer the questions and then afterwards assess how they did and then also assess how they did compared to the other people in the study, right? Um, so no comment, potential theism, cannot confirm or deny how the godless engineers fare on this graph. Uh, so um, most people, as it turned out, overestimated their competence except for the very highest scores, they underestimated their competence slightly. But the people who were worst overestimated the most, right? So if you were in the, the lower quartile, you overestimated yourself about twice as much as the people in the next quartile, and it kind of leveled out until you got to the top. Um, and so people, that uh, they labeled this, um, what were the words, unskilled and unaware were the was the verbiage that they used to describe this um, effect. and. Again, feels very intuitive. And then people replicated the study over and over and over again. All over yeah. the place was replicated. So also the people who scored really high, they ranked themselves like they didn't do very well. That was another part of it. So yeah. Um, so yeah, the as they had they had more competence, they felt less confident. Yeah. Or at least that was the, the interpretation. The actual data was they did well and they estimated themselves as having done worse than they did was the actual data. So this is a study that here's an effect, and then it was replicated up and down the board all kinds of times. Feels intuitive, seems to be borne out, it's good. Unfortunately, what is actually happening is a combination of two things. It's a combination of the above average effect, and it's a combination of everyone's favorite uh, data bias, regression to the mean, which we talked about uh, recently on this channel. So. Um, if you the better than average effect is the observation that humans as general uh, humans in general 
tend to think that we're better than average in everything. In fact, the vast and overwhelming majority of people think they're better than average, which is mathematically impossible. <laughs> impossible. I know I do. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, those other people think they're better than average and they're wrong, but I think I'm better than average and I'm right. Right. Because you know? like, yeah. like, I am, in fact, better than average, right? I'm an engineer, so. I mean, it, that makes sense to you because how many people want to admit that they're below average on something? It's, it's right. a hard thing to do. Uh, right. Though I would say I'm definitely below average on endurance running and electrical engineering because that's magic. Um, yeah, so that's that's a, a well-established effect. Uh, regression to the mean, I'll get it'll make sense once I show the data. So I'll explain that in a second. So why do we say why do we know this is fake? Well, researchers looked into this, and to test this, what they did was they uh, basically recreated the data using random subjects. So they randomly generated people, and there's a bit their scores were randomly generated. And then their assessments were also randomly generated. So it's 100% random data. There's no cognitive anything going on, right? Uh, and so let me flip back over. This is the data from the original study that showed um, people's actual test scores versus their perceived ability. And you can see that the people who are in the bottom quartile were very wrong about their ability. But you might start seeing some flags here. They do think they're very wrong, but they actually don't think they're that much better than the second quartile. And the third quartile thinks they're a little bit better, but not by a lot. Like everyone is kind of assessing themselves in about the 60, 70% range, right? Well, the random data looks like this. Looks pretty similar, right? I mean, it's not 60. It's you've dropped it down from 40 to 60, but the shape of the graph is very similar. So what's happening uh, is the regression to the mean, what that is, is um, the people in the bottom, the people who did the worst, when they do an estimate, they have the most room to be wrong about themselves, to think they did better than they did. If they guess some random number, it is likely just because their their target is so low that their random guess is going to be much higher than their actual value, right? But as you go towards the middle, that is less true. So um, as a percentage of their, uh, they basically have more ability to be wrong. Um, and as you get up to the top, you have less ability to be wrong about how good you are. And in fact, are more likely to be wrong about how good you are, right? Like to the other way, because the mean is below you. So your answers tend to regress to the mean is how it works. That's not a very good explanation of regression to the mean, I feel like. But <laughs> uh, basically, it's enough to, to point out that the Dunning Kruger is basically um, yeah. you, uh, uh, all your answers are going to pull towards the average is how you can think about it. There's a reason there's the average. Anyways, so if you can reproduce a effect with random data and no humans are involved at all, then it's definitely not a cognitive bias, okay? Just flat out. So what is actually happening though? Because we have this, this effect, well, uh, this kind of intuitive field. They said, they said that there are some people, some small percentage of people who do exhibit Dunning-Kruger-like behavior where they have a little bit of information and think they're experts. And we've all met those people, so like that's a fact, right? But that's a small number of people. That doesn't mean it's a widespread bias. Um, and But if you combine the regression of the mean with everyone's bias of thinking they're somewhat better than average, everyone thinks they're about two-thirds. Most people don't think they're amazing. Everyone thinks they're just a little bit above average. There you go, Dunning-Kruger. So, And it's possible, too, that we all live on Mount Stupid at one point in our lives on a bunch of different topics because we're not we're not above average in everything 
and we're in fact below average in a lot of things. And when you first find out information about something, it can it can seem like, oh my gosh, I have all this knowledge now when you really don't have much at all. So I think uh so Dunning and Kruger in discussing this these findings, uh, they mentioned that this data was never supposed to be about them. Something like, oh, this person is subject to Dunning-Kruger. It was about us. This is a thing humans do. And so they're trying to think the reason it is <laughs> uh, a summer home on yeah. Mount Stupid. <laughs> I think that the key to avoiding Mount Stupid is to have intellectual humility, even though this isn't a real effect. What my experience is, is the more you know about something, the more you understand that there are complexities you don't understand, you know? So like, I have a minor in physics for my undergrad, which means I took physics up to modern physics and modern means uh, past Newton, basically. Uh, so I got into some relativity and just like skimmed the surface of quantum mechanics. Uh, and I, so I know, I, I think it's fair to say I know more physics than your average person. Here I am with the above average effect, but I think I have empirical justification <laughs> for that. However, I know for a fact there is a lot more physics I don't understand than the physics I do understand, right? Um, yes, that's that's the headline bit. Every single one of you in the audience were wrong about the Dunning-Kruger. And I'm sorry that you can't use it as an insult. Though, actually, you can salvage this because you are now in an elite group of people who know that the Dunning-Kruger is false and know why, right? Yep. This is not a widespread bit of information. So you now have the opportunity to well actually the entire skeptical community. <laughs> also... Uh, side note, in doing some prep for this, the graph that we showed you at the very beginning, the Mountain Stupid graph. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That I, is not tied to anything Dunning and Kruger did in any of their papers. It's not there. It's something that somebody just made up and said Dunning and Kruger effect on it. It's I, not a thing. We, yeah. we looked. We couldn't find where this came from. It just kind of <laughs> yeah. just spontaneously generated out of the ether on the internet and got it's tied basically, to this yeah. thing. <laughs> it's basically like a graphical representation of what people think the Dunning-Kruger effect is, but it, it doesn't go back to that thing. So, uh, Can we call it the Richard Carey effect? Uh, <laughs> yes. And I, I think if you're clear that the effect applies only to people named Richard Carrier then you might have a a better yeah. better argument for you. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that was the first thing. Uh, but don't worry, there's plenty of things we've been wrong about. Um, before we get into that, I just wanted... We, we made some announcements on YouTube and some other stuff, but first time on video, uh, we have a Patreon now. I guess we'd... Uh, there's a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome with this because, like, we could have had a, a Patreon for forever. There's no, like, reason why you can't. But uh, I always felt weird, like, asking for money until YouTube said you are worthy of having money. But now YouTube has said that. So now we have one. So if you would like to join our Patreon, you can. The link is on our link tree. Um, and the benefits of that, basically, you can engage with us directly, more directly than the YouTube comments. And uh, you get to see our stuff early. If you're on the bottom tier or up, you'll get to see our videos, our pre-recorded videos about a week early. There's one up there right now, in fact, where we talk about some young Earth creationist response to uh, CMI. They're talking about the age of the Earth, so we talk about that one. Uh, you can see it right now if you wanted to. It's uh, up there. It is up there. Uh, on the second tier, $10. So the first tier is $5 a month. Second tier is $10 a month. You can see live streams a week early once we invent time travel. I'll let you Which know. Which we're working on it. So We're working on it. We'll get there. I don't think uh, just to talk about that too some more though. I don't think people realize how much work uh, Jordan and I do in preparation for our episodes. 
because we're a channel who espouses critical thinking and skepticism, uh, we are very cautious about putting information out there that we haven't researched well. And so it takes a lot of mistakes. We make mistakes. Yeah. Trust me. (laughs) We're going to talk about some of our mistakes, but, uh, we try to put out really quality content that's been well-researched uh, and it does take a while to do. So um, that's just a way to show some support. Yep. Yeah. So if you'd like to do that, please do. If not, you know, just like comment, subscribe to YouTube stuff that helps too immensely. Uh, so we have a super chat here from DM. Uh, this is also an AMA. If anybody has questions for us about anything you want, we'll answer it with I mean, some reservations, I guess, but I don't know. Pretty I'm much not doxing myself on here, but other than that. That's I'm true. Good. Other than that, yeah. Uh, DMs for $5 says, congratulations on the 1K. We'll catch us on reruns. What is your favorite Starfleet captain and why is it Captain Cisco? Uh, that's a good question. I think Deep Space Nine is definitely my favorite Star Trek. And so that would, like, you'd think Cisco would be the natural one. Yeah. But I think I'm going to have to go with Picard as my favorite mm. captain. I'm going with that OG Captain Kirk. So. Captain Kirk just has that raw sexual energy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's that that we're in the 25th century or whatever, but don't worry, misogynism is alive and well. Yeah, that... uh, progressive for their time. No, the reason I say Picard and not Cisco. Cisco's great. I really like his performance. Um, and I also like how Cisco really doesn't like Picard, which totally makes sense, but you just don't get that dynamic very often, you know? But the reason I like picard is because he feels like what a captain should be coming off of kirk who every single time there's a way mission who's there captain kirk but not picard picard doesn't go because picard's in charge so he yeah. said he sends other people to do the missions unless it's something diplomatic or important where they need a starfleet captain and so like i don't know he, he felt like more captainy to me yeah <clears throat> um i haven't i haven't watched the new picard uh tv series yet but i i want to it's on my list of things to do so yeah i had i watched the first few episodes and completely lost interest uh talking about richard carrier potential theism says that he knows a lot more about physics than me did you see his blog i did see richard carrier's blog what he did for those who don't like watch this guy's every move uh he he (laughs) talked about yeah what are you doing with your wife he talked about uh physics and how like um a random universe or like basically the the laws of thermodynamics prove that the universe is random and there's no creator yeah and like the the second law stuff wasn't too bad because part of the why the second law works is because there's a lot more ways to be high entropy than low entropy and so if you're like it's just easier to fall into a state of high entropy as one way of thinking about the law of entropy so that wasn't too bad. And that so if he had stopped there, I would have said, hey, that's a nice, like, it's not groundbreaker or anything. Like, people have thought of this before. We learned about it in college. But, hey, good for you for stumbling on this explanation we've already known. Uh, but, like, he then went past it. So that's a shame. Um, Kip would like us to tell the story about being at the Charlottesville protests. Um, yeah, so yeah. we can we can talk about that. Uh, we were both in the... Uh, National Guard in the Army. Uh, that's how we met. And um, towards the end of our careers, uh, the Charlottesville riots broke out. So for those who aren't aware, there was uh, a statue of Robert E. Lee, right? It was Lee, yes. I'm pretty sure. Well, there's two statues, but the main one was Robert E. Lee. So. Right. So uh, they were going to take the statue of Lee down because, you know, 
confederacy Confederate? racism yeah, yeah traitor <laughs> etc uh and a bunch of white supremacists didn't like that. So they were going to have the Unite the Right rally and come trash Charlottesville. And so the National Guard was activated to preemptively to like support this. And it was a little surreal. Like in the week leading up, we were already on duty and they just extended us. Yeah, we were actually on our annual, annual training and they put us on a bus yeah. the day before. It's like, you need to get back to Charlottesville yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, two, yeah, it was like our two weeks training. And at the end, they're like, yeah, uh, so you're not going home. In fact... <laughs> Uh, so we got to Charlottesville and they were like briefing us on like the various white supremacists and Nazi groups that were coming and their usual tactics of like inciting violence and then like to get an attack so that they can like, you know, use it as propaganda basically was the point and how Antifa was going to show up. But what was crazy was like the day of, um, the cops were out there and the MPs got sent the military police. We're infantry. So we had like 200 infantry guys in this room and they're like okay if those guys get overrun you're next we need four men who can carry a rifle and won't freak out about it uh so <laughs> yeah so i was one of the guys they picked so it's like here you go sergeant you know here's your m4 here's 210 rounds of ammunition uh and i was like might shoot an american today <laughs> it was pretty surreal um and meanwhile we're all staged because we have no idea what we're doing and we're in full like um, riot gear, so head to toe riot gear, gas mask on our hips, Ballistic the whole nine shields, yards, everything. Yeah, yeah, the batons. Yeah, and we're getting ready to go face I def- Americans. I definitely thought we were going to go because like we were watching it on the news, you know, so we could see what was happening. And like usually you have like the two sides yell at each other for a little bit, and maybe slowly work up. No, the the night before, first of all, the Nazis had like their tiki tor- torch like march, you know. <laughs> yeah, and. Okay, Nazis are shit and awful, and punching them is always moral. And so was that hard terrible. to say? Was that hard to say? <laughs> no, not no. it wasn't hard yeah. to say at all, right? Yeah. Uh, but one thing, if I can say one slightly positive thing, they definitely rehearsed those chants. Like they were memorable, they were catchy, like the tunes were catchy. They I can still remember them years later. I'm not going to repeat them because again, they're fucking vile, but <laughs> I, I can remember them and they clearly practiced, right? So <laughs> Uh, anyway, so the day of, uh, like the two groups showed up, and like within under a minute, I saw a dude pick up a mailbox and throw it at another dude. Like, yeah, it was insane. I'm surprised we didn't get called to. Um, luckily, they had enough sense to pull the people out and take them to a park a little ways away. But the story doesn't end there because yeah. the next day, um, so we're done. We're like that night, we debrief, do all our stuff. The next day, we're still in Charlottesville, you know, getting ready to go home. And they had to do some stuff like, let's go get some lunch. So uh, Jordan, myself and some other guys went out to this Mexican restaurant in Charlottesville, which is really close, like two blocks away from where the the rally was being held. And so we walk into the door of the restaurant and this restaurant has basically like two wings, think like a U and like there's a main room in the front. And normally you sit on one side or the other. Kind of shaped. Yeah. And um, they, the host is like, Puts us like right in the front, in the middle of the restaurant. We're like a dozen army guys still in uniform. And like they, they like move tables to get us in the middle. And we're like, yeah. what is going on? And we sat down and we looked and all of the, the right wing was full of Nazis. And the left one was full of Antifa. And they were like, <laughs> like staring daggers at each other. Over yeah. the, and we're in our uniform still too, by the way. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey guys, can we just like eat our tacos? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was surreal. So yeah. That yeah, was uh, if we had to fire Americans, no matter how justified, it would have been awful. Uh, I'm not going to comment on how I'd feel if I had to gun down a fascist in the street. I don't know. 
you you can uh you can decide how what you might think i might feel or you can super chat and i'll tell you uh speaking of super chat uh does it not seem that even experts can be prayed over confidence hugh trevor roper endorsing who are diaries and if, if so is this a form of confirmation bias thanks for a great program as always thank you very much for the super chat yeah of course experts can be uh prayed over confidence so like the dunning kruger effect isn't like the, the effect was like you have a little bit of knowledge so you think you know everything there is to know basically whereas that's not the case and that specific effect doesn't exist but people are of course vulnerable to overconfidence and it's common for experts particularly when they get advanced uh in years to like start just opining on anything and everything as if you yeah. know their expertise in biology makes them an expert in gender <clears throat> studies <throat> dawkins cough cough uh yeah. yeah so yeah that definitely happens and people do the same thing in reverse like oh he's a doctor of x therefore he must know why or he's an engineer therefore he must be an expert in every single thing that's ever happened um yeah, yeah. so all right uh moving on we can talk about some other things that we were wrong uh we've just got a list here so we'll just kind of run through it if you have any other questions please let us know here's another one that gets brought up all the time on twitter uh that uh it, it can end with some like some spicy arguments sometimes and that's the definition of atheism um so we not that long ago if you go back to some of our earlier videos you can hear us calling ourselves agnostic atheists was yep. our and we would do the four point quadrant yeah. you know, quadrant right. thing and <clears throat> yeah. yeah so the idea is that um agnostic versus gnostic is whether you can know something uh atheist versus uh theist is whether you believe in a god and so if you're an agnostic atheist you don't believe in a god but you don't think you know blah 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 and when I say I, we were wrong, I don't mean that like nobody can call themselves that or like. Yeah. Call yourselves whatever you want to call yourself. Yeah. And and there's no like Pope of atheism who can declare what the one and true one true value, like one true definition of atheism is. So like use whatever definition you want. I don't care about your dad. Uh, and even if for the two, what, four people that could possibly be the audience for whom I am your dad, I also don't care. <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> But uh, no, so we no longer think that that is the best definition of atheism. And uh, the one we subscribe to now is an atheist is someone who believes no gods exist. Yeah. Very simple. Theist is someone who believes that gods exist, at least one. Uh, and an agnostic doesn't know, is unconvinced either way. Um, this so, is one of those ones that when you first come out of uh, any sort of religion, whether that be Christianity or something else, and you find atheism you tend to find yourself on a youtube rabbit trail of watching christopher hitchens and matt dillahunty and you kind of just get indoctrinated in the language that's used quite often is that you know lack theism uh, or the agnostic atheists and they, they talk about the that. Well, i just belief i lack a belief and it just intuitively makes sense oh yeah i, I don't I have a positive belief. I, I lack a belief. Yeah. I don't know that God exists, therefore, yeah. right? But you can see even there, just talking about it, we um we said, I don't know, therefore I don't believe. Well, those that, that should be that was actually <laughs> the thing that sparked it for me. I was talking to um the guys, oh, what's their channel's name? I'm blanking. I know their channel's name. Um, it, it was Answers and Reason. Answers and Reason, Charlie Dave. I was talking to them. And they pointed out that I was like, they said, 
you seem to be confusing belief and knowledge. And those aren't the same thing. And I was like, you are right. You're that right. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Belief is a subset or knowledge is a subset of belief. If you think something, if you know, sorry. Yes. If knowledge you... is a subset of belief. If you, if you know something is true, you therefore, you also believe it's true. You must like, there's no other way to do, go about it. Um, so yeah, uh, we think, and it also fully answers the question of what you believe. Cause if you say I lack belief in a God, right. That doesn't tell you like someone who's an agnostic who is unconvinced either way lacks belief in a God and someone like us who believes no God exists. I am convinced no gods exist also lacks belief in a God. Those are two very different positions, but they're yeah. just kind of like lumped into one big bucket. You know, I, I think some of this um, stuff and we've talked about this before is that people are afraid to take the burden of proof on, or they think by saying, I don't believe that gods exist, or I believe no gods exist, that all of a sudden they have to now have justification for every single god that's ever been conceived in the world. And that's not how it works. (laughs) Right. They think like, because the the, the burden of proof is some scary thing, like they have to prove no gods exist. That's not the case. I just have to have sufficient justification to justify why I think why I don't think a God exists, right? Why I think no gods exist. I don't have to prove it definitively. I don't have to have a hundred percent confidence and you know, there, the door is open to future evidence. It's just what I believe, you know, all belief means is being thinking that the thing you believe in is more probably true than not. That's all it means. And it very well could be that in a 20, 30 years that the definitions change. Um, there's philosophical definitions that philosophers will use when they're writing, um, there's also common parlance that people will use. So if enough atheists start saying that atheism is lack theism, maybe it'll change one day, but, um, there's plenty of different other definitions too. It's, there's not just one option. Like you, you probably fit into a category somewhere. So, uh, Simone asks, what if you don't think you can predicate anything of God even being, I think that would fit into what pragmatic crystal says of atheism being the idea that the question of God is meaningless or like it has no coherent meaning so like the concept of god is a meaningless concept and so um that there's no way to have a belief value about something that's meaningless that would be one uh way that you could uh view it i i i don't agree i understand why someone would say that and i don't think that the concept of god like has any kind of physical meaning but i can comprehend what they mean right Mm -hmm. i it seems to relate to something i can I can understand, even if I don't think it exists, just like I can, if someone says a unicorn, I know what they mean. I don't think it's real, but I know what they mean. You know? Right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Dr. Dan says, I think a bunch of young earth creations know evolution is true. Don't believe it. I think that they, I, I think that there are a bunch of young earth creationists who know evolution is true, but think that, like that knowledge is like damaging to faith in some way. Like, I mean, there could be a cognitive dissonance going on, but I'm positive the staff at AIG, like the, like the ones who have PhDs, they know they're wrong. Like they, they, they know the earth isn't like, I, I do not believe they don't know, you know? Yeah. But it's definitely difficult to know what somebody actually truly believes versus what they proclaim they believe to. So that's, you kind of get in somebody's mind there, but, um, yeah. Uh, this is a, a great point by Origami Swami. Um, no one's picky, this picky, uh, about any other position. So if, like, you say ba- vampires don't exist, no one, like, demands you prove that no vampires exist, like, without any doubt. Like, yeah. 
I believe no vampires. I believe there are no vampires. Why? I can list the reasons. And that's all it is. Like having justification doesn't, first of all, you should, if you want to be rational, you should be able to justify any belief position you have. You should have mm -hmm. good reasons for it. You don't owe that justification to anyone. Like nobody can demand you talk to them about the things you believe in. Like, but you should be able to justify it at least to yourself if you want to be rational. If you don't care about being rational, then go live your life. I don't care. You know, like do whatever you want. Yeah. But that might be a good segue into uh, another thing that I used to believe, which I no longer believe. Um, which is <laughs> list, list, list the reasons. Okay. List the reasons. <laughs> there you okay. go. So why I think there are no gods. Uh there's a couple reasons. Uh debate. Uh, <laughs> if you want, you have the link. You can come debate me on this right now, Dr. Dan. I don't know why you're hiding behind a fake name in the chat, but uh <laughs> so the reasons I I think there's no gods. Uh, you meant vampires. Well, I'm going to talk about gods because it's my channel. So uh, I think that the main reasons that convince me are um, problem of evil, uh, the divine hiddenness argument, and um, uh, the geographic distribution of religions, like the uneven distribution of revelation, as well as just general lack of evidence. Yeah. Do you have any to add as far to that? As no, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, and it just don't make sense. Yeah. Just don't make no sense. So moving on from the definition of atheism, we couldn't get to, to arguing about what kind of atheist we are if we didn't become atheists. And we were both once Christians, or at least we profess to be Christians. Um, and so we were wrong about that, uh, which is interesting to me. The number of people I've had tell me I'm wrong about the things I used to believe. Like, no, you didn't actually believe that God existed before you're lying. <laughs> Which uh, the, the whole like, you, you must have all, you couldn't have, it, it's weird because they'll say you were never really a Christian, right? Because if you were a Christian, you can't stop being a Christian, right? So you didn't actually believe. And then in the same breath, they'll say everyone actually believes in God because of Romans 120, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? <clears throat> uh yeah it you know whatever what was it that convinced you though for me it was like young earth creationism that was the first like hammer blow and i've told this story before if someone wants to hear it in detail i can tell you but basically like a guy handed me a book and it's like it was francis collins language of god and it's like you should read this and i did and i was like oh my god i'm wrong about everything i believe <laughs> the short story <laughs> was longer than that but yeah yeah so what um... was it that convinced you <clears throat> So it was death by a thousand cuts, basically, but it all started when I was doing my undergrad. And actually, Kip Davis, uh, um, one of the very first things was the document hypothesis, right? So like learning that the, the scripture that I held as sacred might not have been as divinely inspired as I thought it was. And that opened up my mind to like actually critically analyze the rest of the stuff and then just slowly over time i had <clears throat> i kind of use an example of like a pillar i had a stool with a bunch of legs on it and then i was like oh well divine inspiration knock that one out oh you know just kept knocking legs out until i was like i have no reason to justify this belief anymore so uh so on that though so when when i left christianity that had like a cascade effect on a lot of different other uh beliefs 
Uh, document hypothesis for the win, says Davis. <laughs> Destroyer of face, the document hypothesis. Well, I mean, all those scholars, that's what they're there. That's what they're doing it for, right? Yeah. These biblical scholars are trying to destroy people's faith and turn them into atheists. And also trying to, like, dogmatically hold on to religious beliefs. It's weird. Depends on who you ask. Uh, Chess says the power of the bow tie stash combo is more than they can handle. Uh, <laughs> it is pretty powerful. You know, we could get some kit, like, we can add just a mustache right underneath the. Uh, uh, yeah. the uh, this is not Stan because my wife can't stand it. So, <laughs> <laughs> look, she, she needs to get on the branding bandwagon. All right. Like, <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, leaving Christianity ended up with like a bunch of like follow on things for me where i had to like kind of restructure things that i basically had taken because they were the stance of the church and kind of like take them all one by one and see like what now that i no longer had that grounding what i believed in and a lot of it stayed because i actually when i was a christian went out of my way to get secular groundings for most of what i believed um because like we I, I would say we live in a secular society. You can't make laws based on the Bible. So you better have good reasons. Like, you know, that seemed obvious to me, even as a Christian. Um, but yeah, there was there was a lot of things that I ended up. Um, <laughs> Nitty for ten dollars. This one time I told my wife I'd stop super chatting for a week, but bow ties one thousand. How could I not? I am not going to enable any marital disputes, but I am great. <laughs> very grateful for your super chat. Um, yeah. but I will say, Hey, you've already broken the seal. So like, Hey, in for, in for 10, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So what are some things like when you were deconstructing, what did that, uh, lead to for you in terms of like things that you changed your mind about? Yeah. So this is a great, uh, segue. Um, when I started and I told, I've talked about this on the, the channel before, but when I realized I didn't have justification to believe in a God anymore. I was also I was like, well, what else do I believe that I don't have justification in? And it, it led me down this whole thing about like ethics, morality, all that stuff, you know. And mm -hmm. in, in my search for ethics, I came across veganism because you can't not come across veganism when you talk about ethics, right? So um, I started looking into veganism and Dunning-Kruger said, hey, I know you. Uh, you're now an expert on all things ethics and veganism. And I went straight to the top of Mount Stupid. Um, no, that's a joke. But uh, <laughs> I thought I knew I thought I knew enough and I became a vegan. I was a vegan for three years. Um, solid. I remember. I remember because yeah. we were we were in the woods. We were still in the army and you were talking yeah. to one of the other guys like preaching veganism to him. And some, you mentioned something about cheese. And, he, and you said he's like, yeah, cheese is addictive. And I was like, hell, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was talking about like how, you know, they have all these chemical things that go into the body and you have, um, they're called casomorphines or whatever, something like that. Anyways, um, I really went into veganism hardcore, um, but I never gave it a really like super deep dive critical analysis. Right. And eventually I had to come to the point like, yes, I think veganism has some really good points that it brings to the world. Like factory farming is a horrible system. Eating a plant-based diet is generally healthier over a non-plant-based diet. You know, there's certain things you can do. But when it really came down to it, I couldn't just, there was something about it. I couldn't say, I don't really have enough to say that veganism is the only way that humans can live on this planet. In fact, you could start going down. You've ever seen the, um, the graphs where they'll show like a, a baby, then a dolphin, then a pig, then a, you know, a 
dog and a squirrel and a cricket and yeah. you just turtles all the way down eventually at some point along the thing like there has to be an animal creature that you could squash on the ground and otherwise you're just a monk out in the middle of nowhere and trying not to hurt everything so have you um, seen the like picture it's like you know it has all the animals in a row and it's like which where does the line for meat start and someone like draws it between the horse and the cow it's like here here's right there yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah so uh those kind of things made me realize that yeah so like i can't be full-on vegan anymore because i didn't have legit justification so. club simon i'm with you i'm not sure i'm moral enough to believe in anything that'll keep me from eating meat and cheese <laughs> cheese specifically like meat is good and all i do like meat but like factory farming is horrific you know and like so like if if the, the cost of meat was significantly higher in order to make it like more moral i'd be in favor of that but i don't know that i can live without cheese to be honest uh chesh you would be amazed at the number of philosophical conversations I have had while standing around covered in mud in the woods, oh, you know, some of the best ever, man. That that is why we have this podcast at all, actually. Yeah, it really was. We were literally sitting in the woods, and Jordan and I were like arguing with people, or him and I would just be having a conversation back and forth about. We something. would do like performative argumentation, like the platoon would be bored and they just watch Jordan and Jared argue yeah. with each other, you know. And one day somebody's like, "You guys should do a podcast," and we're like, "Yeah, we're yeah, like, we you should." Know what? You're right. We should do a podcast. So, yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that is why we had the podcast. What were, we, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Stuff that we changed our mind. Well, obviously, uh, I changed my mind about um, basically everything related to LGBTQ. Hold on. Yeah, that, that's a huge thing. Um. Uh, because like, and it's weird, even when I was um, in like almost kind of like a fundamentalist, like, like as kind of a fundamentalist Christian, I would say like, I don't understand why being gay is wrong. Like, it doesn't seem like it would be a problem. Excuse me. But like God says it's wrong. So it's wrong. So that one was easy for me. Um, like as soon as I was no longer in, um, in Christianity, that one was gone. Uh, trans rights took me a little bit longer just because I hadn't thought about it as much uh, at the time. It wasn't as big a deal. Um, yeah, and... very similar to me as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very similar. Like, in, in fact, we have talked about this before too. But that was one of the last things that I was really struggling with was, you know, um, homosexuality, LGBT. How does that relate to Christianity? How could you know God love people but then make them purposefully wrong yeah. or sinful? Like, have sinful desires? Like, the whole thing was just stupid. Um, I was like wrestling with it for a couple days and then it just kind of struck me like wait a minute like with someone being trans i was like that doesn't affect me in any way whatsoever guess it's none of my business then <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. there is that so yeah so at least making a visit on the chat tonight no nope. i don't know where gamma is <laughs> i don't know he hasn't been hanging out on my keyboard very often lately um yeah so there was uh that changed the grounding of my morality basically shifted from divine command to like basically a harm based morality mm -hmm. but like in practice i don't think much changed like other than like there were certain things that i had to basically just accept as immoral because you know because of christianity like other than that like my day-to-day -day didn't really change yeah you were not picketing you know stuff and like telling people they were horrible and that no, people I wasn't hated like them yeah. at this level no. or whatever <clears throat> so yeah dr dan 
How's it going? Hey, what's up? Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah. I can hear you just fine. Uh, so, Dr. Dan, uh, why don't, in case anybody on the channel isn't aware, you run the channel Creation Myths. Why don't you tell people about that real quick? Hey, so um, my name is Dan. I'm an evolutionary biologist. And as Jordan just said, I run the channel Creation Myths, where I take creationist scientific claims, like things where creationists are pretending to be real scientists, and I take those ideas really seriously more seriously than they deserve to be taken more seriously than <laughs> we, they do more seriously <laughs> than they take them and we yeah. look into the details and see how these ideas work as actual scientific hypotheses are they consistent with the available literature on the question do they make testable hypotheses have those hypotheses been tested oftentimes the answer to those questions are yes are are the hypotheses valid when tested so far the answer every time has been no. Uh, so that's what I do. Uh, just go through every creationist argument you could think of and show why they're all nonsense. That's what I do on my channel. If that sounds like fun, drop by, watch some videos, hit the like Definitely button. Definitely do. It's, it's yeah. excellent content. And you so have a really good backlog too. So Yeah. I mean, well, it's not like you're going to run out of content anytime yeah. soon. I, I honestly, I feel like I am running out of content, to be honest, because creationists are completely unoriginal and operate on like a five year cycle. And they just recycle the same arguments over and over again. So I have all of these, these like, it, thank you. I, that warms <laughs> my heart. That really does warm my heart. I have to say, I'm humbled these, if these I arguments. am to the heat problem as Dan is a genetic entropy. That's uh, quite an accomplishment. <laughs> Uh, oh, wow. yeah, what it is is though they keep like doing the same things there's nothing original at all so i'm actually like running out of original ideas to talk about there's other things to talk about like how they have this idea and that idea and like one person will say both but they contradict each other which is always yeah. good to point out um that happens all the time. it just they're so bad they're so bad at what they do um but the first thing i wanted to say was congratulations because um more people should know about your show and like there are a few things more important i feel like in the world right now than like people thinking about how they reach conclusions about what they believe and what they don't and um you two do really good work in just like identifying mental shortcuts and showing people how to not fall down those traps which is really really important stuff to do so congratulations it's well deserved you should have ten thousand or a hundred thousand we'll get there <laughs> thank you very much it's uh we, Just, we try. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was actually very edifying recently. There was a, every, every single time, every time I invite somebody to come talk in this channel who I don't like already know, there's mm -hmm. always like the imposter syndrome kicks. It's like, why do they want to talk to a bunch of idiots? Like, who am I? I'm just some random moron yeah. in a bow tie, you know, like. I, I, so I will tell you that never goes away ever. Like, no matter what degree, I mean, I'm speaking from my own personal experience. Um, you can have whatever degree you have in the world and that never goes away. If there's like people who are like at some formative time in your life, you perceived as like the powers that be like, I have been in uh, a, a live stream, for example, on Aaron Raj channel with PZ Myers. Uh, and like, who am I? Some random, like yeah. I remember in 2005 when I was a college freshman, like reading PZ Myers blog every day to stay up on like what was going on with intelligent design. Like, how did I end up in the same room as the two of them? How do I don't belong here? This is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah so that was one of my proud moments too. Was um, 
we get notification over somebody subscribed to the channel and PZ subscribed to our channel one day. And I was like, Jordan, it's like PZ subscribed to our channel. This is amazing. He's like, what? I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I have to be yeah. honest. I actually was not aware of PZ Myers as a person until like he was in the science friends chat. And I mentioned like to, to Jared one day, I was like, yeah, some guy named PZ Myers was talking about this in the chat. He's like, what? That's like, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, kind of surreal and it never it never goes away and that's fine it's just it's you know it is what it is it's fine so dan uh since the topic is things we were wrong about do you have anything you'd like to share Something oh man wrong i about? i've i have two that i think you'll appreciate um they both have to do with they're both politics adjacent uh mm -hmm. one more so than the other um and one of them is and the first one is really about persuasion because like Jordan, you know me pretty well. You know that I'm all about like, you know, fact, 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 like here's why you can accept X as valid or likely to be true or whatever. Right. I, I love having lists of references that just back it up. And um, this goes back to 2016 because the 2016 election and the world since then uh, broke my brain. Because what I have had to accept is that I was, up until that point in my life, completely wrong about how to convince people of things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I thought that the way to convince somebody that something that they did not think was true was actually true was to prevent was to present facts in support of that thing. And then they would look at those facts and go, oh, it sure looks like the facts say X. I should believe that X is true. Therefore, I will change my mind now. Right. Thank you for <laughs> telling me. Turns out that is not just completely wrong, but it is both counterproductive and in many cases, obnoxious. Uh, so I had to, and it took until the 2016 presidential election and like watching people who I know personally, who are very smart and like generally have up to that point in life agreed with me on things watching them just like lose their minds and any semblance of like rational thought during the 2016 presidential election and what uh the thing that i had to learn and it was very difficult to learn very painful to learn was we've all heard the phrase uh facts don't care about your feelings i think what is actually true is that your feelings don't, don't care, care about, about facts, facts. yep Right. Yeah. It's it's actually the reverse is true. And so like the way I had been up to that point in my life going about convincing people of things when my goal in a conversation was to convince somebody of something they didn't agree with. I had been doing that completely wrong. And the way to do it is not start with barrage of facts backing up your position. It's for lack of a better way to say it, it's really all about vibes, right? It's about identity and community and validation. And then you can backfill that with a, with like a, a backing of facts. Once the person is at the very least open to believing what you're trying to convince them of, but it, man, it took me a long time to realize that like the way I was going about that was completely ass backwards. And yeah. it really took like, it really hurt my brain to like wrap my head around that because it just seems so wrong, but it's just how, how human brains work. And man, that sucked. There's, that there's broke a, me. 
it's a psychological term. I don't know what it is, but it's like the doubling down. Like if somebody's presented with facts that contrary a belief they already held, like they, they double down on the belief. Despite... So funny thing, the back that's called the backfire effect. And yeah. like the Dunning Kruger effect, there was an original paper on that. And then with yeah. recently, within the last couple of years, there was follow-up work that showed that's not actually the case. Look, Isn't I that funny? My mind again, no. I uh, and that was just a couple of years ago. I was like, oh, can't can't use backfire I'm, effects anymore. I'm gonna look yeah. into that. Um, but I think somebody <laughs> who's really good at this. Do you remember street epistemology? Like Anthony Magnabosco came out a few years ago with with the idea of like the, using the Socratic method to try to get people to to look at their. I know. I'm beliefs. familiar with. I'm familiar with the phrase, and I I've seen. I remember going back, you know, way back in like the the new atheist days, the mm -hmm. street epistemology stuff. Yeah, I don't know that person specifically, but I know the general thing well, he's really good at he has a channel where he goes out and just talks to people about this where he says hey let's talk about something that you you believe and then he goes through the process but i think that's a more appropriate way to do that is like asking probing questions that may get them to think about it later because you're definitely not going to do it in the moment so um, right yeah. that's the other thing i've had to accept like it yeah. doesn't matter how many facts i present to you right now that make an airtight case for whatever it is we're talking about at no point in that conversation is somebody going to say huh you're right so the best i can do is just like open that door just a little bit and the way to do that isn't to just like you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong here's why here's why here's why here's why the way to do that is much gentler than that and starting with empathy and validation and then kind of going from there um but counterpoint have you considered that it's way more fun to do that I, so this is a fun thing because what i've had to then because i've kind of internalized this conclusion about the way persuasion works and what i've actually had conversations now with people and the question that i ask them is like do you want to win the argument or do you want to win whatever it is you're trying, like, do you want to accomplish your goal, right? Because you can win the argument in the moment and that feels really good and you get that dopamine hit, especially if it's like you're arguing online with somebody and that feels great, but it accomplishes nothing. I will win the argument, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Jordan, yeah. I tell people they're wrong. <laughs> I, you know? I do. Uh, so I, I, I have to work. So the, I think if you train your mind to the point where like you, you, you recognize that, that initial resistance you have, I think it's something that you can overcome. It's not an insurmountable bias that humans mm -hmm. have, but most humans put no effort whatsoever in overcoming that bias, you know? Right. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I, I agree that you're correct. Every single thing you said is accurate. <laughs> I don't know that I actually live out like it's hard, you know, because like if someone's wrong, like part of my mind was like, if only they knew, even though I know for a fact, it's not going to work. Yeah. I still do that. And especially like if you're arguing with like some jerk on the internet and you're like, I can like have empathy and try to like do because it's hard. It's a lot more work and it's a much more long term project of like trying to bring you around to my side. But also, I have this great zinger right now and it's going to get like 50 likes and a couple of retweets. Yeah. Like, you just want to do it. You just want to wreck them on Twitter or whatever, you know, X, right? You just want to do it and it feels so good. But if you're really trying to convince them, then you can't do it. You got to just hold it in 
just got to hold it in. And what you can do, and what Jordan knows that I do sometimes, is you can share the zinger with your friends and not actually say it <laughs> yeah. publicly. Look at this idiot yeah. over here. Uh, <laughs> as Tommy Moore says, getting someone who is intellectually honest enough with themselves to examine their belief is a good way to go. The trick is finding someone who's intellectually honest because... Yeah, it's tricky, especially when you're in like the pseudoscience realm and you're talking to creationists or anti-vaxxers or global climate change deniers or whatever, right? Like right. one good example of this kind of phenomenon, I think, is like, uh, who's that guy from behind the curve, the flat earther guy? What was his name? Do you remember? Sargent. Mark, Mark Sargent, Sargent. Yeah, Mark Sargent. There is no amount of facts you could possibly give to him that will convince him he's wrong because he is extremely invested in not changing his mind in the flat in the real world he's a nobody right who cares about this guy but in the flat earth community he's, he's a, a rock star he's a rock star right? there's so many people like that though there's so there many absolutely no way he is going to to leave that community and that position of privilege and power that he has you know i will say intellectual honesty though um, when we're having these conversations with people it's also important to keep a little window open in your own brain. Well, yeah, you could like, be wrong. You could be wrong. And so like, not just like thinking like, oh, I'm right. They're wrong. I need to make sure they're right. Like maybe they have something insightful to say, but you know, um, you just got to be open too. So that's hard. Uh, Dr. Tapioca Weasel with $2 says the viewers to like ratio is just True. disappointing. Uh, the <laughs> algorithm does not understand quality content. It doesn't understand facts. It doesn't understand skepticism. The only thing it understands is engagement. Does It can be good or bad engagement. It doesn't care. So leave a like if you like it. If you hate us and think everything we're saying is wrong, leave a comment telling us in great detail exactly why. And share the video <laughs> and with share the an video. angry message about like, this video was so bad. These idiots just every social yeah. media network you can think of. That'll really show that'll, us, guys. That'll really... <laughs> Own, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Own, do it. own the libs. Uh -huh. the key. <laughs> yep. uh, own the so, libs by angrily sharing their videos. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, talking about politics, things have changed your mind. I have gone in the space of like the last probably six years from kind of a center right. Trickle down economics probably works. You know, the cops are doing good work. It's just, they have a hard life. You know, I've gone from there to uh, the only thing we have to lose is our chains. And, you know. <laughs> <Yep>. uh <-huh. laughs> yeah. Uh, we were called I... recently. Well, recently it's probably six months ago now, but we were told in a comment that we were a woke apologetics channel, which I thought was pretty cool. Mission yeah. accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'll do it. Um, Own the list, so, print in the word. Yes. There you go. So <laughs> the, the second thing that I was wrong about, it kind of related to the first, but more kind of narrowly tailored, is the way, and this is very specific to the United States, very specific to our, you know, uh, idiosyncratic political system. Uh, but basically, this one is, is frankly astonishing to me. I can't believe, and this one's fast too, Um a little background for people who don't know me uh, at all or that well is like, I'm, I'm very far to the left. Jordan can attest to that. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out there. Um, uh, and, you know, 
basically I've come around to the position that the best way to advance my agenda, which includes things like universal basic income and free education until you're done getting whatever degree you want to get up and down the spectrum, no means testing for any of this stuff. Like I'm, I'm like, you know, uh, single payer health, like everything, like you just go down the list. Uh, um, as far left as, as is, as acceptable in the United States kind of political you're, spectrum. You're like, there's the Overton window and you're like over here. I'm <laughs> the guy pushing the Overton window further, right? I'm the yeah. one pushing it further. And, you know, I say I'm the one, like I'm part of that. Like that's where I fall. And um, what I have found, and basically like, basically this is Joe Biden's fault, basically, is that what I, the conclusion that I've come to is the way to affect the change that I want and to get the policies implemented that I want is not to elect as a president or whatever level of standard bearer you want, president, governor, mayor, whatever. The way to get the things you want is not to elect the furthest to left person you can to those positions. Instead, it's nominate the kind of inoffensive moderate to those positions, but shift the center of gravity around that person of your vehicle for change so that they basically get dragged along and have to do what the party wants. And in the United like States, that means the Democratic Party. The Bernie Sanders effect where he never wins, but always pushes the narrative. So that's the phrase that I've come up with is that Bernie Sanders kind of going back to what we were talking, do you want to win the argument or do you want to win, right? It's Bernie Sanders lost the 2016 primary but he won the argument. And in 2020, everybody ran on some version of Sanders 2016 platform, right? So then Biden, the most moderate candidate in the race, except for a couple of rando, you know, also rands, right? The most moderate viable candidate in the race wins. And everyone's like, oh, Biden is going to be moderate squish. He sucks, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And then he comes in there and he basically, and people are going to hop on me for this phrase and I don't care because I'm right. People... Biden comes in and basically does in the span of 18 months, the new deal, right? He comes in there and he does basically the new deal in the span of 18 months, including universal basic income for kids and the most aggressive climate change bill, not just in America, in ever. the world Billions. ever. And it's already paying enormous dividends. And I'll give you just a small example of this that I love. Remember how last summer Texas had a bunch of brownouts because they suck and their grid isn't connected to the national grid. So they and have they to generate. winterize their plants ever. And they didn't yeah. winterize their plants, right? So they had to generate um, all their electricity in-house, right? And um, so like if they don't generate enough electricity, then like they're out of luck. Uh, it wasn't the winter thing, though. It was actually last summer. They didn't have the, the capacity for all the air conditioning they needed. <clears throat> this summer, so far, no brownouts in Texas. There may be some coming next week with the heat dome, but so far, no brownouts in Texas. The reason? They doubled their solar capacity in one year. Hmm. Like, that's the, the Inflation Reduction Act that did that. Like, no Biden and no worse Democrat in Congress, Joe Manchin, voting for it. That doesn't happen, Right. Yeah. And the reason that could happen is everybody in the Democratic Party, except basically Cinema and Manchin, were on board for this super progressive agenda, right? The left won the argument and dragged everyone else along with them. And that's what worked, unlike like getting Bernie Sanders elected president. That didn't work. But like it's it's and people again are gonna jump on me because the person I'm gonna mention is very divisive, but like it's really the AOC approach of like 
I'm going to be super progressive. I'm going to be the left. I'm a socialist, but I'm going to work within the system. I'm going to convince people on my team that I'm right and drag them along with me. And all of a sudden we're going to be in a better position. And like, I didn't think that two years ago, but I've been convinced that that's the right approach. Yeah. So I think Kip's comment here kind of nails something you were saying. <laughs> you sound like a Canadian and this is actually more <laughs> insightful know. than maybe even yeah, Kip okay. intended because AOC, like you described, are super left socialist in any other context, any other developed world. She's like mainstream left. Yeah. Like she's not particularly yep. extreme. She's just normal. And Biden yep. is center right. Any other yep. place on earth. Mm -hmm. Right. But yep. here, Biden is like this like leftist, borderline Marxist nutshell. Like it's crazy, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Right. Uh, I was having a conversation uh, recently. Uh, uh, someone I, I won't go into specifics because my wife is behind the curtain and she uh, would get mad if I did but I was talking to someone and they were talking about like politics and they asked me like if I'm a socialist and I said you know what I think I am uh, and they said well why do you support these things like you're an engineer you're gonna be fine it's like I know I'm gonna be fine but like there's other people it's like but you're gonna be fine and it was this person could not comprehend that I did i i would not be affected and yet i still like supported it it was like it was just like just smoke pouring out of their ears it's crazy why would you have empathy why would you do that right hey trash hey <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to ambush you hello it's me <laughs> what's going on i'm just switching my audio over to hopefully it'll fix itself Welcome to the stream. Uh, why don't Ooh. you introduce yourself? For, I know you've been in the chat, but people may not know you. Oh, I've been I've been in the chat. I've been around. I'm all over the place. Who knows even where I am? Um, hi. Yeah, I'm Chesh. I do art and I talk about stuff and things. I think I've probably talked about politics. I've talked about art. I've talked about atheism. I've talked about agnosticism. I've talked some philosophy. I like to yell at people because they're dumb. That's that's all I do. I love yelling at people because they're dumb. It's oh, my, my audio is like broken. One of my Hold favorite on. things. Give me one second. It's it's. But again, not a good way to convince them. God, but, but it's so still fun. It's still so fun. It yeah. feels so good. Yeah. All right, listen. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to bounce. I just wanted to, um, again, say congratulations on the one K and I love what you do. Please keep doing it. It's fantastic. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. It is now fixed. Oh, bye. Stuff and things. My favorite store. Yep. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, uh, I, okay. So what are the rules here before I, uh, get you in trouble? <laughs> uh, I mean, other than like the, like, don't be a fascist or like anti- like marginalized yeah. communities like other than that do whatever you want i don't care oh that's easy oh, okay, cool, cool. listen sometimes people are like don't use the f-bomb chesh oh, every no. time i invite you on you use the f-bomb chesh that's definitely not dapper we're an hour in so like youtube can go fuck itself i don't care like oh, okay, fair enough. yeah they're they're not paying that close attention yeah yeah definitely so what really? have you been wrong about chesh what Me? is it something oh, like, that you've been wrong about literally never anything ever once in my whole life that that's fair i mean i'm wrong all the time if you think about it like just like statistically somebody somebody has to be right all the time has right? to have been right and that person jesus christ <laughs> naturally <laughs> who else could it possibly be yeah well, i've been wrong about stuff all the time like i build my brand off of being incorrect um, I usually try to catch most of my errors in editing. <laughs> Spelling, I'm the worst. 
But I, there is one thing if we want to talk politics that I've kind of learned over the, over the years, and it is that you don't have to change people's minds to change their politics. So you don't have to change somebody's belief system about a god to have a conversation about the ethics of this, that, or the other thing, whether it be like, you know, the hot topic of abortion, right? You don't have to change their mind about when life begins. What you need to do is you need to have a conversation about priorities, right? So watch life takes priority because we don't live in a perfect world. And I think most religious people would acknowledge that and is in fact part of their theology. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, we don't live in a perfect world and everything's screwed up. So best case scenario, what do we do? Yeah. And I th- so I... finding ways to like, don't have to argue about, I don't care whether you believe climate change is a thing. And I don't care whether you believe whatever the cause of it is. You have fires on your front door. You need to vote for somebody who's going to help you survive those fires and, and make sure you're okay. So who's going to have the policies that are going to protect you about the fires that exist, whether you agree with where they came from or not? Yeah, like worst case with the climate change thing, you do it and you end up with a cleaner environment. Oh, no. (laughs) Isn't that the what is it? Pascal's wager? What what could it be? Do you you, if you're wrong, you go to hell. If you're wrong, everything is on fire. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I wish Uh, Pascal's wager worked better. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if only doxastic volunteerism was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. And like, I, I've had this discussion recently with a couple different people on like, kind of atheist like activism. And like, I, I like arguing about atheism. It's entertaining to me. But at the end of the day, if someone wants to believe in a deity, I don't care. Like, what, whatever. Do what, you, do what you want. As long as you're not hurting anyone else. So, like, yeah. and I have Christian friends who are not hurting other people. So, I know for a fact we can get you there, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. There, I think there's, like, a lot of people are, I think, surprised when most religious people will agree with most humanitarian points. Until you slap a label on it and then suddenly. Uh, you, right. Well, it's the same with veganism, right? I could, I bet you any money I could serve an entire buffet at a whole wedding. And as long as I didn't call it a vegan wedding, nobody would even notice. Yeah. But as soon as you call it vegan, everybody's like, branding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the vibes. It's all about the vibes. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, well, I mean, since we're talking about uh, controversial stuff, one of the things that I changed my mind on somewhat recently was abortion. If we want to get into like some really controversial shit. Hmm. Uh, uh, So when I was a Christian, I was like, life begins at conception, you know, that sort of thing uh, because of the insolment moment, I guess. Uh, But I had the same sort of, um, because I, I, I believe that we lived in a secular society, so we had to have secular arguments. Basically, I would say, if we can't be certain when life begins, we have to make the most cons- the, the most conservative decision we can that favors life and that would be outlawing abortion entirely of course that ignored quality of life and a bunch of other things that go along with that yeah um, that was one of our first arguments jordan on the bus actually we had a like an hour-long debate about abortion on the we way did to yeah yeah it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was <like> fun yeah <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun uh very entertaining for those around us too um yeah, well, so I should do it you're on the bus. <laughs> yeah, sleep. Yeah. Most people slept or watched movies, but that's not what not with did. you two there. 
yeah not with us so yeah recently i changed my mind i think what what the specific thing that changed my mind was like that uh uh fetus under a certain level of development can't feel pain and so if there's no pain there's no suffering so like who cares you know like it can't possibly have any more weight at that point if there's no oh, sure. if there's no mental activity if there's no suffering like then then there's no need to give it any kind of consideration but even beyond that like like you said we live in an imperfect world and so you've got um uh, a full-grown adult with a well-developed life and social circle and this all these things compared to not the, that. the life that could potentially <laughs> the life that could potentially be well we have and an actual life like right like, here you know what does that potential life look like right yeah so, so well i i think you know I don't think we need to go full slippery slope like we're throwing toddlers in the trash or anything like that. Like, you know what? Why not? <laughs> they are Does the worst. Like they the are pretty terrible. Little, little drunken potato sacks <laughs> trying to, that are trying to commit suicide. Clearly, they don't want to live. Have you seen them? That is true. <laughs> you see what they do? That is true. Yeah. Uh, they do just run around like them. trying to kill themselves all the time. Like, are you watching? I'm about to do something really dangerous. Are you watching? <laughs> I got this fork. There's an outlet right here. What are you going to do yeah. about it? Yeah. So yeah, I that was that was probably the last like vestige of social opinions that were rooted in my religious beliefs that hung on. That one hung mm -hmm. on for a while. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's interesting though, Jordan, because too, I remember when we had this conversation. Like, you were full blown atheist at this point obviously and your reasoning and stuff was still grounded in science and it wasn't like whenever you'd give an explanation for why you thought abortion should should not be a thing it was always something like a reasoned out thought process right it wasn't it, some dogmatic thing about well it was though i hadn't done the homework that i should have done uh at the time i was like we don't know when life begins that was like my starting assumption Right. You know, and I'm defining life in this way and therefore right. this. But I hadn't done any work since I deconverted to double check this part, you know. Mm -hmm. And then one day it kind of hit me like I was I had had this discussion. And I was thinking about it afterwards. Like, I don't know about you. I rehearse every discussion I have later afterwards after I can't do anything shower. about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I was like, you know, I was saying these things and I was like, is that true, though? Like, how? Do, why? Why do I think that? and i didn't have a good answer and it turns out it's because i was wrong so <laughs> that's one of my things that i like love and hate about philosophy is that assumptions are fine but you need to justify your assumption mm -hmm. right so if you like most of science is rooted in some assumptions right yeah. we assume that the laws of physics are going to be the same today as they are tomorrow so we prepare and do things in that way. We have these expectations. Now, they're not unjustified assumptions, but they are assumptions. But people like to, I don't know if it's just like a way of speaking versus like a way of analyzing. Whereas when people are speaking, they don't, when you say an assumption, they're like, oh, no, that's a problem. Or you say a belief. Yeah. Oh, no, that's a problem. You know, what right. that? Belief PTSD? Like, what is, yeah, what's going on here? I, I really think some do. Like, yeah. I, I think like, some people underwent religious trauma and it was related to beliefs. And so the concept of having a belief is suddenly. Well, for some people, deconversion is traumatic, like incredibly traumatic. And especially with some of the sort of what I'll, what I'll call atheist dogma that's out there is that all religious people are blind to you. And so mm -hmm. if you've come out of religion in that way and now you believe everybody that's been in your life 
up until this point has just been purposefully lying to you, that's really traumatic. You can also lose entire communities and family systems and stuff along the way when you deconvert as well. Before we get off assumptions, though, uh, if you've ever seen the fantastic movie Under Siege 2 with Steven Seagal, the best line in that movie is, assumption is the mother of all fuck-ups. So oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the, <laughs> what, what, that's what happens when you um, make an ass out of you and me, right? Yeah, that's right. It's not a good movie, think, by the way. <laughs> well, as soon as you said Steven Seagal, I'm pretty sure we both went, uh. <laughs> uh I don't know. I as, think this stuff like that's really interesting. So without some assumptions, you can't move past solipsism. I mean, yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess <laughs> like you. So solipsism is the I like the whole brain in the vat idea. Like you can't and like so the hard solipsistic mm. viewpoint is that like you can basically you can't prove you're not a brain in a vat. Sure. Um, that's being fed this information. I have a straight so, up rule, and it is you never go full solipsism because it, it, <laughs> it loses any pragmatism. It's just right. useless. Yeah, that's that's why that's exactly my stance, and maybe it's just my dumb engineering brain. But if something is like has no practical value whatsoever, I just cannot force myself to care about it. You know, like I have this thing i actually like i have this back and forth that i do with myself and kind of on my channel and it is that i, I hate philosophy philosophy is dumb but like that comes with a caveat and it has big old asterisks on it and it is that there are types of philosophy that are obnoxiously hoity-toity mm. and obnoxiously like elitist right where we're gonna sit here and we're gonna use a bunch of unnecessary jargon and purposefully block people out of educating themselves in philosophy for no other reason than we like to sound and feel like we're smarter than everybody else. But what we're talking about is whether or not you can know something. And it's like, this is a brain exercise that is, is people like to like hold over of their people. And it's, it's annoying and obnoxious and terrible when it comes to philosophy, when it comes to like personal philosophy, ultimately, if you understand it, you don't need to learn about it. If you don't get it, you're likely never going to. It's yeah. one of those things. It, it's it's just you. If you don't understand it, you're going to have to do so much work to change the way you think and sort of the way you look at things that the majority of people are not going to do that work. And there are no resources that are really that helpful in that case. But if you understand it, it's just like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Of course, the <laughs> so it's like uh. If you ever, um, if you all want some good reading content, Henry Rollins, Solipsis, it's a, it's a weekend book. Uh, really enjoyed it. So throw that out there. Stop scaring people, Jess. You're scaring Sorry. the chat. <laughs> and that's what I'm here for. Isn't that why you invited me? It's just one of those things, right? Because like, if I, I sit here and I explain, like, okay, well, a if a is a, then those are the same thing. You're like, yeah, duh, <laughs> of course they right. are. But if I say a equals a, and you don't understand that, I don't know how to explain that to you. Yeah, that like there are certain levels of like disagreements that I'm not even sure we could possibly get beyond. You know, and sometimes you run, yeah. in, I run into that with like morality. Mm -hmm. We're like, I'm happy to have a discussion over whether morality is subjective or objective and we can talk about it. But if like, sure. if you can't, if we, like, if some, we're talking about slavery in the Bible, for instance, if someone can't say owning another person is wrong, I don't even know where to go from there. You know, like, like if, if you're, if your yeah. sense is so messed up that like, you're like, genocide might be okay. Like, 
I just don't know that there's any overlap. There's a different kind of conversation there. And I was like, I was listening before I got in here. And one of the things you guys were talking about was sort of the, the idea of trying to convince people and kind of how you've changed how you approach conversations. And one of the things that I've kind of enjoyed doing is that my, I've sort of changed the way from when like I started talking on the internet um, from talking to make a point to any discussion, the, the, the best tool you have at your disposal to have any kind of conversation, any way of communication is listening. The most important part of any communi like communication in a conversation is you need to listen to what the other person is saying. Because if you don't listen, you don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> Other so then you're just assuming and we're back to assuming again. What did you say? Oh, is, is it my turn to talk? <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. my show now. Yeah. This is a hot takeover. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Actually, I've only been yeah. part of like four of those. Come on. Super important. Yeah. Uh, like like Christmas says, genocide is okay. Doesn't necessitate a different kind of conversation. Uh, we, we would, in the army, we call that dimensional counseling. That's I right. did not say what kind of conversation it might be different to. And so there's also like the fun thing of like uh, the conversation of like ethics, uh, like ph philosophical ethics, because then you start getting into like, this is a difficult conversation because you start getting into like hypotheticals that it's just like, oh, well, is this wrong all the time? Or could you imagine a scenario where it's not wrong and people get really uncomfortable in that situation? Because for the most part, I, I don't know if there's a single thing that you would like, you could like, I'm going to drop a baby off a cliff. Is that morally wrong? Well, what happens if I don't drop the baby off the cliff? Is there a is there somebody right on the edge getting ready to catch the baby? Like, like <laughs> right. Typically, yes. All else being equal, yes. Like you know, but I guess you could run into yeah. like yeah. I I totally agree with your assessment of philosophy, though. I think philosophy in general is a worthwhile thing to study, but there are definitely some fields of philosophy that are like so far up their own ass that like that there's just yes. no like. Yeah. There's also a point too where if you can't easily explain something to somebody, like the normal person, if you're having a conversation with one of these highfalutin philosophers, it's literally like trying to speak a different language. I have no idea what you're saying. And if you can't communicate your ideas to them, it's pointless. So Yeah. If, if you can't like, communicate something to a child or like a fifth yeah. grade level, you probably don't understand it very well. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Sorry, I cut you off. No, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same thing. All right. Uh, I've been talking a lot about how I've been wrong. Jared, what have you been wrong about? Oh, my gosh. Choice, choice of major. I didn't want to bring this up in this chat, but I will. Um, oh, yeah. So I other than, my, other than my choice, choice of major uh, my, uh, for school, my choice to shave my mustache in this way. Because um, Jared uh, uh, went to. That's not a mistake. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how well. dare you are you you're not you're not being serious no i'm not being serious um okay because that but, was rad thanks um i agree physics is better than philosophy yeah i've been about a lot but probably well i will say and probably gonna start some shit but mythicism i bid into mythicism uh, hook line and singer when i first heard about it like when i was first exposed to richard carrier and i read his book i started with on proving history uh, and then, um, like you for, for a hot, yeah, for a hot minute, and I, I yeah. gave it to Jordan, 
And then um, Jordan helped me see the light and he started asking questions that I hadn't even thought to ask. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah. I, I'll admit that like at first, when I first, the first time I'd ever looked into anything about New Testament history was on the historicity of Jesus. Not the best intro to that topic, but like I, I was just like starting to get interested in it. And then Jared recommended this book to me. And if you just read it, it sounds very erudite. There's footnotes all over the place. You know, there's more sound, footnotes like, than there's actual body of text. Sometimes. Right. I was like, <laughs> yeah. wow, this seems really compelling. And I was talking, I remember talking to Jared, but like, this seems really good. And then I was like, I wonder why nobody, like literally no one is convinced. Why somebody talk about this? Yeah. 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 Why? This seems so obvious to me, an idiot. Why do all the smart people disagree with me? <laughs> yeah. 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 That was, a, that was a big one for me. Um, and because I had discovered it like on the tail end of my deconversions, so I was just coming out of Christianity. Mm. And I latched onto it as like, oh, yeah, this, you know, well, which yeah, is not, not a good reason to believe something, by the way. So not only what are the Christians wrong about God, they're also wrong about Jesus even right. existing, you know. Yeah. I could see the seduction there. I can but. also understand the the asking that question out the gate of being like, well, do we even know this guy is real? Like if I've been brought up in this and I've questioned nothing up until this point, it puts everything on the table. So it makes sense that if you go looking, was Jesus real? Mythicism is going to come right up. And if it's the first thing you're exposed to, it's an easy thing to be like, oh, no, this makes sense because you're just fresh out the gate. And that makes total sense. Yeah. To me, at least. But one tool that um, I think every skeptic should should feel comfortable relying on is the work of experts, people who understand the topic better than we do. Like we don't want to get into an argument from authority where like, just because an expert said it, it's true. Right. Mm -hmm. However, experts are right more often than they're wrong about the thing they're an expert in. That's why if you have a toothache, you go to a dentist, not a plumber, you know, Uh, because you expect the dentist more likely to be right than the plumber. And so if you find yourself like, coming to the conclusion that all the experts in a field, like you're coming to conclusion A and 99% of experts in the field say conclusion B, you could be right. You might be right. It, it's not unheard of. However, it, it would behoove you to figure out why they think you're wrong. You know, like you should ask of, that question. One of the things that I've learned is to not, don't marry yourself to an opinion. Mm. Like that's like, that, that's silly that you don't need to build your entire personality or identity as a human being onto like an idea that you have, right? When you are an expert in something and that is your job, then there's kind of a little bit more reason to sort of attach yourself to that that label, but not necessarily whatever idea you happen to be studying at the time. There's no reason to get upset over find doing more research or finding out something or somebody saying that you're wrong about like there's no real reason to get mad about it because they're talking about you some people will be talking about you but who cares those people are stupid so it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's a really good point that all opinions should be lightly held uh yeah. 
and open to change for new there's a difference uh, between opinions and principles right you can develop your principles over a long period of time and sort of like explore that and kind of decide what you what you do and what you don't agree with and you can have general principles and then personal specific principles whereas those specific principles are things that you apply to yourself that you don't necessarily apply to other people this is not you're not setting an expectation whereas your overarching principles will be like people ought to be treated well big general principle. So you live your life in a way that you, the way you vote, the way you shop, the way you do this is, is mindful of that to a degree. Whereas an opinion could be like, I don't think trans people should be in an Olympic sport because I think it's bad for people in general, maybe even including those trans people. So that opinion, you don't have to hold on to that opinion, but your principle is that you want what's best for everybody to the Hmm. best that is possible. That's something I was wrong about. I was like, hey, why maybe trans people shouldn't be in the Olympics, specific, not sport, the Olympics, because there's too much drugs involved. So if there's so much drugs involved, then maybe they choose to, it's one of the list of sacrifices that high level athletes have to make. So like you still be trans, you still dress however you want, but you do not transition until you're done your sporting career when you choose to do that. I don't hold that opinion anymore because I'm like, I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. I haven't formed a, I haven't formed a new opinion about it. I just like, I'm just stupid. I'm like, I don't, I don't study this. I don't know dick shit about it. What? Why do I even have an opinion about this? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a very insightful uh, piece of personal, like, retrospective view that a lot of people don't have. Uh, I, I didn't I, even update my opinion. I just got rid of it. I was like, this is useless. This doesn't help me. This doesn't help anybody. Why am I even talking about this? Get the out of here. Yeah. Uh, I think principles, not opinions, is a good principle to follow. Uh, like, I've said many times, like, my skepticism is more foundational than my atheism. Like, and in, in that, like, atheism isn't a principle to me. Atheism, atheism is a conclusion I've reached based right. on my desire for truth and, like, I value evidence and those sort of, like, those are my principles. But, you know, I'd reject atheism in a second if, uh, if I were wrong about that. In fact, I'd much prefer it because I super don't want to die. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like the, there's something that I don't like that the atheist community tends to do and it's that it doesn't do much to help people to come out of dogma and to a degree just instills mm. its own so when you take one and you trade it for the other you haven't developed or grown as a person you've just swapped ideologies or yeah, maybe yeah. not ideologies but beliefs for and, sure. like, and it doesn't mean anything <laughs> I tried so when I first came out um as atheists and stuff like in the area where i live there was nothing really there was a skeptic community but all they did was just host people and have debates so i tried forming a meetup group and had like an atheist community with the sole purpose of allowing a safe landing place allowing people to have community i started trying to organize events and have like picnics mm-hmm. and meetups and we would go to restaurants and have just comp- community and it divulged uh basically the um Atheists of America found out about us and they basically tried to work their way in and then they turned it into like a political thing. And then it just became the same thing that I was trying to avoid. And so like, I don't participate anymore, but that dogmatic process, it's like, why do we do that? You know, why can't we just be people together and give people who are coming into our community a safe place to, to land? You know? I can actually answer that question um, because they're lazy <laughs> money 
and politics. Yeah. I mean, examining your beliefs and being really skeptical is, is hard work and like, it's tough. It's and... also very exhausting because if you've got constantly people coming in and you have to work on a deprogramming, basically right. you, you have to write basically a textbook about deprogramming and being like, here's the step, like the basic steps that you follow to kind of deprogram yourself from dogma. But you're also dealing with people that are coming with sort of built in bigotry, people that are coming with built in this and that and the other thing that are going to have to work through this and it's going to be a very emotional thing it's it's almost something that like psychologists should be doing like atheist psychologists getting together and being like here's a thing <laughs> here's triple <laughs> yeah. a for <laughs> alcoholics anonymous for belief, yeah. like for atheist anonymous uh, well, and it can't just be atheism though because if you want dogma removed that those steps ought to apply to any dogma, whatever cult. Like it should work on a Trump follower who doesn't want to be a Trump follower anymore. Yeah. There, I will say there are some good nonprofits out there. It's like the Freedom from Religion yes. Foundation. There are people doing good work out there, uh, but it's not well known enough. Like if you would have to be in the atheist community to know about the Freedom from Religion Foundation. Like you don't just find that on your own, right? And like the Atheist Alliance International stuff. Yeah and like the, all that doesn't do a good enough job promoting these right. things and because they don't send people in those directions and are would rather just argue about whether or not it's okay to support nazis by taking the position that it's okay to support nazis like how where are we what's happening what about the marketplace of ideas <laughs> oh what about it <laughs> is it bankrupt yeah. all of a sudden my bad <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely have observed the the phenomenon of like atheists who leave religion but don't mm. leave the dogma and some cynical part of me want of uh, is is inclined to think that that's intentional because it's easy to get if you just switch into the dogma you like then you've got you know a brand new follower for you but <laughs> well, they're not uh, real atheists so yeah well it's difficult for everybody and everybody's got a vacation and it's just exhausting yeah mm -hmm. that's part of why uh we run the channel the way we do we we it was important to us starting out that this was not going to be an atheism channel. This is going to be a skepticism channel. And we'll right. talk about atheism because we're atheists and we think that's right. But it's always couched in skepticism because mm -hmm. if you are skeptical, then you can't have dogmas or at least you shouldn't have dogmas. It's and having dogmatic right. beliefs is, it is the opposite of skepticism. And so if we can promote skepticism, maybe we can get rid of some of the dogma. Yeah. And it's interesting too, Jordan, because like some of our, my favorite shows, and I know some of your favorite shows have been our non-religious content. But they get yeah. shit for views. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we put a lot of work into some of those, you know, and we're like, oh, this is a great one. And then it's like, nope, nobody like that. So um, it's it, the, YouTube it's tries the to push you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People want, yeah. want conflict. It's entertaining. And so, like, if you can get that conflict into your. Without like you want you don't want to lose your principle, right? You want to bring that conflict in, but not make that the not just the sole focus, but not accidentally turn into something toxic. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I think we've I've run out of I think we've talked about every single thing I've ever been wrong about, except ball lightning. Uh, that. Uh, I so we were doing speaking our, of non-religious content. <laughs> yeah, so we did an episode on uh, I think it was crop circles and ball yep. lightning got brought up a lot, and so we were doing another episode on like alien abductions, whatever. Ball lightning, we were going to do it, and I was like, 
we'll throw it in there. It'll be easy. This is obviously, obviously bullshit. It's like this random piece of like this orb of plasma that's floating around and you only see it in like airplanes and like in fields like this is, this is stupid. It's clearly wrong. And it's real. You guys like it, it's, it's actually a real thing. <laughs> that's was, super cool. I was yeah. so shocked because like I started looking into it and I went through the same process. I go with everything else. I was like, okay, let me start by assuming I'm wrong. And let's look for the people who like have evidence that say I'm wrong. Let's start there. And I found a paper uh, where some researchers were, um, they weren't trying to study ball lightning. They're trying to study lightning strikes in this particular area. And they happened to catch ball lightning using their equipment. Um, they, they caught it. It was on this, their like equipment for some long period of time, long in the span of lightning strikes um and yeah, <laughs> everything's relative yeah everything yeah. is relative and apparently time allegedly exists so we don't know what it is time time what's well, i'll tell you after story okay so yeah so they caught it on camera and published their findings but it's like peer-reviewed and the, the thing that really convinced me was not just that it was peer-reviewed but it was peer-reviewed in a like a for realsies journal and it wasn't people who were like the kind of people who are looking for ball lightning or like, you know, it wasn't in like the an explanation for not crops make circles. Yeah, they're not yeah, ghosts, yeah. right, exactly. They, they were just mm -hmm. like, hey, we're scientists studying lightning, but look at this cool thing we found, you know. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So the fun thing about time, right, It's it kind of falls in the same kind of weird field as gravity does. You know, like gravity, it's like if I push this thing off my hand, as long as the force is continuing to go, if this thing doesn't actually fall, the ground actually comes up to meet it. Okay. Right? Because the world is spinning and moving and all that shit. So why teleportation would never work? The, the, the computing power for just the math to know where you would have to land is nigh impossible. Yeah, if, if you're teleporting in like an absolute sense as opposed to like a relative sense, you know. Correct. Like, yeah, unless you had like an actual, like a signal to, to hit on, you would, yeah. even that is incredibly difficult. But like just the, if you were to go to, from point A to point B, you have to know like, where the earth is going to be in its rotation and around itself, as well as the sun, as well as the sun is moving and the galaxy is moving and everything is moving and spinning. So like, good luck. But I digress time because it is, we only experience time in a particular fashion, right? Because we are three dimensional beings. Mm -hmm. So time being fourth dimensional, we only see its effect on things and how we relatively measure that. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we don't actually know if time is even linear. That's just the thing that we assume because that's the way we view it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's basically like if you took a, took a two-dimensional like stick drawing and put it, a, put a cube, put it on a cube, uh -huh. it will find all sides, but it won't know what a cube is. It won't okay. be able to figure out every, like it'll never be able to see it from our point of view. So with time, we can measure it, we can figure things out about it, like it bends, it moves, it slows down, it speeds up. But we don't really, we can't see it from that dimension, we don't see it from four dimensions. So we don't actually witness time. So is this kind of related to the uh, idea, what's it called? Uh, when it's either time, like only the present exists is one of the idea or that the present past and future are not, not, not a privilege. They all exist at the same time. Kind of like, yeah, it's, it, it's one of those things where it's like, do, it does all of time exist at once where the past, present and future are only terms that we use to describe our experience, not what time actually is. 
because we don't know what time is. Right. Okay. So I it's like it could be the present always, or it could like does a thousand years happen between seconds? I'm inclined because I'm a determinist. It seems like that determinism is right. Uh, then. Yeah. Uh, outside like quantum uncertainty and stuff but if you go with the many worlds hypothesis then even that doesn't matter uh then uh i'm of the opinion it makes the most sense to me that the past present future all exist and we're just kind of like our perceptions are going through time but that has like no relation sure. to actually what it is yeah, yeah that's valid yeah the thing is, but is like i have i'm not a physicist so we I have may, no yeah we may yeah. never it's it's one of those things it's like we might never figure that out because it's like you get things like the the double split slit experiment that's like what really is cool. light we don't even have that shit figured out we're just like well, uh you know kind of <laughs> well it's 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 a it's a wave you know uh that sometimes uh acts as a particle when an observer makes a measurement um, yep. But like, what is that actually well, doing? Why? What does that yeah. do? What does that like, mean? Like, like we can describe what will happen with extraordinary precision, but like, yep. what it means? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's one of those things yeah. that it's like, yeah, that makes no sense. All right, well, it is. So moving Though, on. Again, I'm many worlds because one, vibes feel mm. right, and two, Sean Carroll said so in his book, and I liked his book. So, you know, oh, that's fair. Yeah. I don't have an opinion on it. Yeah. I just well, like to imagine that we live in the worst timeline. Ever since Harambe died, it's we've just been we're that was that was like a definitive that was a fixed point in time that Doctor Who cannot affect. Harambe died. Now everything is terrible. I think we can probably like I think everything did objectively begin to get worse. I've been in a perpetual state of feeling like I'm being gaslit by reality. Like <laughs> for the past like seven years because like, oh, no. like, like there's just no way this is real like, <laughs> is this you know? happening right what is like, this yeah. it's like doc brown when uh when marty mcfly comes back and tells him that ronald reagan's gonna be the president and he's like the actor <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you go back you yeah. You go back to 1998 and tell somebody that Donald Trump's going to be president. Yeah. Good luck. Guy, <laughs> Same reaction. The guy from Home Alone? <laughs> <laughs> the real estate guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just... It's I okay. Know. Yeah. The, it's the, the worst timeline. Yeah, the whole, like, I feel like a third, like, like a, th a third of the country, just like, you know what, the plague? I'm down with it. <laughs> like... Well, okay, yeah, but to be fair... For how many years were people like, we need a new plague? We this guy, we got we got to do something about this. And then everybody went, wait, wait, no, no, not like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so we've been going for almost two hours. Uh, Hell so, yeah. and I just got Baldur's Gate three. So, yeah, Ooh, very excited. How it's, much have you heard about it? Uh, so, all I've heard, I, I tried to stay away from spoilers. What I've mm -hmm. heard mm -hmm. is that it's you know basically the best game ever made uh i've mm -hmm, played mm -hmm. about eight hours of it so far and so far it's i don't know if it's the, the best baby. game ever made but it's pretty amazing um it's everything's I've, relative I've, <laughs> i felt uh awful 
already about some of my decisions in the game that's a good mark like if i can like mm. feel like i did something objectively wrong in this video game that doesn't exist you know yep because i uh i'm I morally a monster yeah my i killed the the owlbear mom and it's just like <gasps> the scene that's no! like, oh my god what did you i do <laughs> I, I was just How a bloodthirsty adventure and i didn't think through the consequences of my actions <laughs> boulder's gate is like divinity on crack and like one of the reasons why people are lauding it as one of the best games or the best game that's ever been made is because it was made by a small indie studio, Larian, mm -hmm. and it took them like well, over five years about to do it. And they it went so good and people like it so much that the major developers, like your AAA companies are like, well, no, this isn't fair. We, we yeah. can't be expected to make right. games this good. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be good. It's like, yeah, not if you the, don't pay your people. Of course when, not. That was the narrative. It's like, guys, don't hold us yeah. to the standard. It's unrealistic. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Of course. Why would we expect the people making the big money to do things? Yeah. The biggest joke I've seen recently was somebody had said, um, there was an article that came out that said, um, CEOs are regretting bringing forcing people to come back to work after them working from home they blame not having enough information and somebody was like yeah no imagine listening to workers and i just said everyone in charge who's supposed to know what they're doing is a fucking clown this is embarrassing yeah. when when we were doing the return to office at both the comp the two companies i've worked for recently had exactly the same thing happen mm -hmm. and they were they were like it, it, yeah and i was like we literally just ran a two-year science experiment like yep. we have the data you know the right answer you know like the the, mm -hmm. the company i just left uh the, the ceo sent out an email and it started by saying hey things are going great this work from home thing is awesome costs are down profits are up employee satisfaction is sky high Anyway, pet webs, go back to the office. And I was like, are you it's because it's not right about now? it's not about money, it's about control. Yeah. Right? They feel like they're more in control. You could say the same thing about like uh, monopolies. Monopolies don't make like statistically, you can go back and look at the profits and what gets made and how good a product is and how much money is being made and how much it affects an economy. Monopolies are bad for capitalism, Everyone. especially yeah. capitalism. But if you but we allow monopolies to exist because it's not about the money. The, the company doesn't care about the amount of money they make. They care about the stranglehold they have on the industry. So that way they, there is no competition. They it's want not, control over it, right? Not about the money. It's about sending a message. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Burn it to the ground. Yeah, Chaos. Exactly. We have a message we always like to send to people, Jordan. You're talking about a bias of the day? Is that the message you're talking about? No, we're not, we're not, doing, we're not doing that today. Because <laughs> no, I'm um, totally yeah. unprepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it no, uh, was... So uh, as we're closing out, uh, if you wouldn't mind doing all the YouTube stuff, like comment and subscribe. If you would like to see our stuff a week early, you can go. You can see the next episode. This is the first time ever we have been ahead a week. And we did it because we are now now a Patreon. So we're going to be ahead a week forever. Uh and you can go see our new stuff there you want. Right now, $5, and you can see it today. Uh, but if Speaking you can't do that... next year when things we were wrong about comes around. <laughs> <laughs> as, of, as of time of recording, we have never missed a Patreon deadline. There you go. We're perfect. 100% of the time we've made Good it. Good job. So there you go. Oh. Uh, yeah. So anyway, next week, uh, uh, if you don't subscribe to Patreon, what you'll see is us uh, taking down CMI and their silly 
evolutionist nonsense or radiometric dating nonsense. So anyway, uh, subscribe so you can see that. And until next time, remember, you've always got reason to doubt. Peace out.